Good morning, church. Um, let us please stand for the scripture reading and turn in our Bibles to Proverbs 3, verses 11 to 35. Verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be wary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou can desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes, keep sound wisdom and discretion. So, so shall they be life unto thy soul, and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt not lie... Thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and, thy, and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give, when thou hast it by thee. Devise not evil against thy neighbor, seeing he dwelleth securely by thee. Strive not with a man without cause, if he had done thee no harm. Envy thou not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. For the froward is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but, the blessed, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Surely he scorned the scorners, but he giveth grace to the lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but the shame shall be the promotion of fools. Amen. Amen. Please and turn to this passage of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 3. Those are some beloved verses in Proverbs 3 that we just sang. To trust in the Lord with all our heart. We're doing this series in Proverbs. We're calling this God's Wisdom Handbook. A handbook for wise living. Wisdom is a lifestyle. And these memorable verses we talked about last week. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. We said that these verses emphasize that we need to trust God entirely. With all our heart. We need to Lean on God exclusively, not on our own understanding. And then we need to acknowledge Him exhaustively in all our ways. Acknowledge Him. And I call on all of us to do that. I call on our city. I call on our mayor. I call on our president. I call on our governor. I call on our senators. I call on you. I call on myself. I call on our dear Greenwich Village out there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. What a great nation! We could be if we all trusted in the Lord and followed those few verses. 
Today I want to speak to you on the subject of finding happiness in a broken world. Maybe your life has been a story of pain and despair. Maybe you came into this place today saying, my life is really messed up beyond my ability to put it together. The good news is, whatever your past, you can begin to write a new story today. You can begin to live a new life. You can begin again. That's the message of Christianity, right? We need forgiveness and Jesus gives us forgiveness. We're sinners and we need righteousness. Jesus gives us the righteousness we need. The forgiveness we must have that we can be saved on our way to heaven. Have new life. I say to you, if you're discouraged with the life that you've been living, write a new story. The power of God, through the power of Jesus, the power of His Word, the power of His Spirit. This is a broken world, and sometimes we break as well in the process. So I want to speak to you today about finding happiness in a broken world. And I want to look just at this, a few scriptures that back up this sermon title right in this chapter. Why do I call this message Finding Happiness in a Broken World? Because we're in a sinful world, right? There's sin. We're sinners. There's sin, the curse of sin. But this tells us, this chapter uses the word happy. Verse 13 says what? Happy is the man that findeth Wisdom. So how can you find happiness in a broken world? You find wisdom. There it is. Happy is the man who findeth wisdom. Don't tell me this world is only hell. Some people say that. You can be happy in this life. It says it right there. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for anything Live a happy life. Verse 18 says, she, and speaking of wisdom, still wisdom is the subject, is a tree of life. That's phenomenal. Wisdom is a tree of life. To them that lay hold upon her, and what does the end of that verse say? It says, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. You'll be happy if you lay hold and retain and embrace wisdom and never let it go. So we don't find happiness by just looking directly for it. We find happiness as we embrace wisdom. And who is wisdom? Jesus Christ. He is wisdom, dear friends. And when you embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior, in Jesus are the treasures of wisdom for you to live a truly happy life. And you can write a new story. Now think of the Apostle Paul. What an illustration of the man who started to write a new story when he embraced Jesus Christ. He was a murderer, a religious zealot, lost without God. He thought he was okay, but he was lost. He was a murderer. But I love this verse. Can you read it with me in Galatians 1? It says, But when it pleased God... To reveal His Son in me. I thought about that. God called Paul by His grace 
and through the Holy Spirit and by the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God was revealed in the very heart of Paul that to reveal His Son in me. <laughs> That's new life. And a new story begins. A new story begins. So may He do that today. Let's pray. So Father, please work now in this moment of time we have. In Jesus' name, we pray that You would help each of us to live and find this happiness in this broken world we're living in. Hear our broken cries. Hear our feeble cries, O oh Lord. Thank You for each one who's here. Thank You for those on Zoom. Thank You for those who cannot be here, even like our dear Consuela. We pray for her, Lord. Continue to strengthen her and give her joy and peace, even in her nursing home bed. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, I know this for a fact. All of us want to be happy. <laughs> That's what we want. We want to be happy. So you must embrace God's wisdom to have what I'm talking about. We must. And when you embrace God's wisdom, here is what you will experience and live out that true happiness. And as you embrace God's wisdom, this is what you'll experience. And you'll live happily. It's not man's wisdom. This is God's wisdom. The first thing that you'll embrace when you embrace God's wisdom from our text, He says... You will embrace God's chastisement. <laughs> say, well, that doesn't sound like that's going to make me happy. Oh, yes, it will. Do you know what you need to be happy in this world? God's chastisement. <laughs> that's not the world's wisdom. That's God's wisdom right there. Because if you don't have God's chastisement, you know what you're going to ultimately have? Condemnation now and for all eternity. And that's awful misery. To true, have true happiness, you must embrace God's chastisement. And I put in the bullet point, this is wisdom and instruction. So when he says in verse 11 and 12, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. That's the word instruction. And he says, neither be weary of His correction. And that's the word reproof. This passage, by the way, is quoted in the New Testament. Do you know, actually, God loves he, Proverbs chapter 3? Emmanuel said it's one of his favorite chapters in the Bible. It's one of God's too, because he quotes it here in the book of Hebrews. And he quotes the, toward the end verse, he quotes it in James and Peter, where he says, surely he scorns the scorners, but he gives grace, grace to the humble. So God quotes this passage three times in the New Testament. God loves this chapter. Embrace God's loving chastisement. You know one reason why we take the Lord's Supper? It says it. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. One of the reasons we take the Lord's Supper is so we can feel the chastisement of the Lord in our life. Because if you're thinking about what you're doing when you're eating the Lord's Supper, you're thinking, oh my, Lord, look what You did for my sin. Oh, You had to go through that. Suffering. Bleeding. Dying. Your body was broken. Your blood was shed. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we come under conviction. There should be conviction of sin. Amen? 
when we take the Lord's Supper. And sin should come to our memory. That doesn't mean you shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. That means as you take the Lord's Supper, you ask God's fresh forgiveness and you embrace the love of Jesus for your soul. And He changes you through the chastisement. 1 Corinthians 11 says, verse 32, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 32, here it is, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. This is in the context of the Lord's Supper. That we should not be condemned with the world. So in order to be happy in this life, I say to you, embrace the chastisement of the Lord so you don't experience the condemnation with the world. That word chastisement is literally the word instruction. And if you're going to embrace wisdom, here's the point of the book of Proverbs. We'll never have wisdom without the chastisement or the instruction. And that's what it says. If you look with me, Go back to Proverbs chapter 1. Go back to Proverbs chapter 1 real fast. And four times in the introduction of Proverbs where he lays down the foundation of the whole book, four times in these first few verses, he speaks about wisdom and instruction, which is chastening. Instruction in these verses is the same word chastening that I'm going to read, where he says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2, what does it say? To know wisdom and instruction. Look at verse 3. To receive the instruction of wisdom. Look at verse number 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Verse 8. My son, hear the instruction. You'll never get wisdom without instruction. And so that's the word here when he uses this word chastening. It's the whole training and education of the Son in view. This chastening, this instruction. He says, do not despise it. Because you'll never learn wisdom without it. And when you receive His chastening and His instruction, what happens? When you receive His wisdom and instruction, What occurs? Look in chapter 1. Look at verse 23. Chapter 1, verse 23. Who can answer that? You can talk to me. Proverbs 1, 23. When you hear His wisdom and instruction, and He chastens you, and you turn back to Him, what does He do for us? Thank thank you, Angelica. Don't you want that? You'll be happy with the Holy Spirit. He says, I will turn at my reproof. Now that word reproof, I don't want to lose you here. But it's the same word for correction in verse 12, or verse 11, where he says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction, his reproof. Turn at my reproof, he says, and I'll pour out my Spirit upon you. What happens if you don't turn at his reproof? Do you know what's going to happen eventually? You're going to mourn at the last. Look in Proverbs chapter 5. Look at Proverbs chapter 5. If you don't return to His instruction, if you don't hear His instruction and embrace wisdom, you're not going to be happy. (laughs) You're going to be happy if you embrace His wisdom and receive His chastening and loving instruction. You won't be happy if you don't. Proverbs chapter 5. Because the son didn't listen and he went with the strange woman, he says in verse 11, you're going to do what at the end? You go with that strange woman, live in adultery and sexual immorality. You will mourn at the last when your flesh and your body are consumed. And what are you going to say to yourself in the next verse? Proverbs chapter 5, verse 12. What are you going to say to yourself? You say what? 
Oh, man. How have I hated instruction. And my heart despised reproof, His correction. You see, so I say to you, embrace God's chastisement because you'll never learn wisdom without it because He'll pour out His Spirit upon you. And you know what? What does it say right here? Going back to our text in Proverbs chapter 3, He says, don't despise the Lord's chastening. Do you know why? The Lord is showing you what in verse 12? What does it say in Proverbs 3 verse 12? When the Lord chastens someone, what does it show He has toward you? He loves you. He's doing it in love. And He's doing it because you're His child. I love when God chastises me. That, that's evidence. Thank you, Lord. Don't let me go. I'm your child. You know what would be awful? If you could sin awfully against God and there's no chastisement. That means you're not His. Through salvation. Make sure you, Jesus Christ is your Savior. And true chastening is a proof of His real love for us. So, that's the first thing. If you want to find happiness, you embrace God's loving chastisement. And that's wisdom's instruction. And it's better than being condemned with the world. The second thing is, you embrace the best treasure. When you embrace wisdom, you know what you get? You know, when you embrace the wisdom of God, you know what you are? You're a rich man. You, have, you are rich, a rich man in a broken world. That's what you are. Amen? And you'll be, you know, people think that if, if I could just be rich, I'll be happy. You can be rich and it will make you happy. I'm not talking about material riches only. I'm talking about better than that. You'll embrace the best treasure when you embrace the wisdom of God. So here we see wisdom's value. It's better than all the money and all the treasures of this world. And that's what he says in Proverbs chapter 3. In verse number 13. Happy is the man that finds wisdom. The man that gets understanding. The merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. Now the merchandise is in a way when you're buying and selling something. In other words, when you are buying something, you don't want to get ripped off, right? Have you ever bought a used car and you wonder, am I getting ripped off, you know? Because used car salesmen are kind of famous for ripping people off, right? They're trying to get the best deal on their end and you're trying to get the best deal on your end. You want a good deal, right? When you, when you, when you buy and sell. The point is, what, the, what God is saying in this passage is the best deal you can ever make is to get wisdom and get understanding. Don't leave life without it. Don't leave your home without wisdom. We need wisdom in this broken world. And when you get that wisdom and you live out that wisdom, you are a rich man in a broken world. And I'm not just talking about money as I'm saying. I'm saying you'll have courage. We need to have courage these days. Do you know how much fear has taken over our culture, our, our society? Fear has taken it over. First, they had, we were, everybody was afraid of the pandemic for the last two years. And all of a sudden, man, the pandemic, forget that. We don't even want to remember that anymore. Now, Putin, be afraid of him. Be afraid of Putin, man. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Trust in the Lord. Get wisdom. 
You'll be rich in courage, in faith, in love, and hope. So the writer's saying here that, and he's putting it in monetary terms, so to speak. He's putting it in the terms of the marketplace, of the buying and selling. He's putting it in the Wall Street, for those of you who are traders and like to trade. You like to, you, don't you like to buy a stock low and then it goes up and sell it when it's high? If you're a, if you're a trader, that can get you high. That, there's like a high in that. It, it makes you happy, doesn't it? When you buy a stock low and it goes up, does that make you happy? Come on. Yeah. That's wisdom. Wisdom is free through Jesus Christ. And it will give you the best return of any deal you'll ever make. It is the best deal. It will give you the best return. And it will make you truly happy in this life. So... The writer, I believe, is also saying how wisdom, in, in one of these verses, and another thing in Proverbs you'll see is verses like repeat themselves. So here we have a repetition of one of these verses with Proverbs 8, verse 11. You don't have to turn there, but look at Proverbs 8, verse 11, and see how similar it is to verse 15. So I'm going to read verse 15, and you look at the screen and look at verse 11 here. It says, she is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. So it's very similar to Proverbs chapter 8, this verse 15. And that's often, that's what happens in the book of Proverbs. So I would give that as an example. But wisdom is better than all these things. Better than rubies. Better than silver. It's better than gold. I mean, it, it will give you what money cannot give you, right? You know, like they say, money can buy you a house, but it can't buy you a... Home. Money can buy you a piece of bread, but it can't really buy you satisfaction. Money can buy a woman jewelry, but it won't buy her the love that she craves. Money can buy a man a muscle car. You know, you might be able to buy a Lamborghini with money, but you still won't be able to buy fulfillment. Through wisdom you can. Money is, uh, wisdom is the best deal. Wisdom will give you the best return. Wisdom will make you a rich man in this broken world. I believe that the writer is also making an application here to the gods of the, of the world in which he was living in. If you look at verse 16, he says, length of days are in her right hand. Now, he mentioned that back in verse 2, length of days and long life for those who keep God's word. Here he says, wisdom itself will give you length of days not just in this life, but in the life to come. We talked about that last week. He's looking beyond this life and these promises to eternal life. But the best way to live a longer life down here is to live in the wisdom of God. That's the best way to live a long life here. Right? It's amazing how many of my high school friends have already died. One committed suicide. So discouraged and depressed. Some died... They were into drugs and alcohol. One of my friends died. He, he was a closet dr drunkard. No, none of his friends even knew about it. And he actually was living a double life. He had, another, he, had a, he had a wife and kids, and he had another wife and other kids. And the first wife, they didn't, they didn't know. And it all caught up to him. He died. 
So wisdom will give you length of days in her right hand, in her left hand, riches and honor. So in her right hand is length of days, in her left hand is riches and honor. And it was common throughout the ancient world of, of, of Solomon, the Egyptian empire, they had these two symbols of long life and power. Long life is this, and I know you've seen this, but have you ever seen this? This is called an A-N-K-H, an Ankh. And it's, you've seen that uh, symbol. And it's an Egyptian symbol, and it stands for long life. And so that's what, what they held. That was the God of Egypt, long life. And then this stands, this is a scepter. And here she's holding it, this goddess. Here she's holding the scepter. And you see here she has the Ankh here. And there that God over there, whoever he is, you know, he has the Ankh and he has a scepter. Long life and power. Long life. Those are the gods of Egypt. So Solomon, I believe, is saying, if you want real long life, you want real power, get wisdom. So I'm just going to ask you this last question and we'll move on to the next point. Do people make sacrifices to make money? Oh, some people sacrifice everything they have. We definitely give a lot of time for it and our energy. Some people sacrifice their families for it to, get, to, get, to make money. Now, obviously, we need money in this world. But money can also be a God. Don't make money your God. Let the Lord God, the Father, Son, and His Holy Spirit be your God. And then labor for Him. But people make sacrifices to make money. I say to you, make sacrifices to get wisdom. Because it's better than money. The third thing we see here is, if we're going to live a happy life, embrace God's chastisement. Embrace the best treasure. See wisdom as the best treasure. And then embrace the sweetest fruit. Because here he says in the middle of this chapter... He talks about the tree of life. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. All her paths are peace. Verse 18, she is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her. Happy is everyone that retaineth her. So we talked last week about having a taste of heaven on earth. Well, here's a taste of heaven on earth. You can have the tree of life now. Now, there's a tree of life in heaven. Twelve manner of fruit. But there's a tree of life now. You remember the tree of life in the Garden of Eden? Have you ever wondered how Adam was so stupid? I, I, and he didn't ever say, Come on, Adam! You could have eaten from the tree of life! And instead, the devil comes along, tempts Adam and Eve, and what tree did they eat from? The wrong tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they fell into sin. It's like, duh! Adam, why didn't you eat the tree of life? You blew it for yourself and for me too. But have you ever asked yourself, how could he have made such a bad choice? The good news I have for you is, you can take of the tree of life now. Now, God kicked Adam out of the garden. What did He put around the tree of life? Remember what He put around the tree of life? He put multiple cherubims to keep out one man. <laughs> cherubims were around the tree of life, guarding it. It says, with a flaming sword. A flaming sword kept man from eating the tree of life. 
But the flaming sword around the tree of life is gone. And now God says, come and eat. Don't be a fool like Adam was. (laughs) People are making the same decision today that Adam made then. They're eating from all different kinds of trees. But we can eat this tree. The tree of life. Is that good news? You want to be happy? Embrace the sweetest fruit. Wisdom's peace. It's better than the lies, the deception of this world. Go please to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is such a powerful passage of Scripture. I want to read, I'm going to just start reading and I'll stop when I stop. But I want you to turn please to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul is contrasting the wisdom of the world to the wisdom of God. And God's wisdom to the world is really foolish. But God says, I'm going to make foolish the wisdom of the world. So we have to choose what wisdom we're going to, what tree we're going to eat from in this life. We have to choose what tree. Just like Adam, in a sense, had to choose. We have to choose what tree we're going to eat from. Are you going to eat from God's tree of life, a tree of wisdom, and come to Christ, come to the Word of God? Are you going to eat from the ways of this world? Paul is challenging the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, begin at verse 17 with me. He says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is what? Foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. See, that's when the writer says, lean not to your own understanding. You know what people do when they lean to their own understanding? They reject the cross. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Oh, the Greeks uh, uh, before Paul's day thought they were so wise, right? Aristotle and Plato and Socrates, the wisdom of those philosophers. Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this world? Has God made foolish? Have not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to them to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, watch this, Jew and Greek, Christ is who? What does it say? The power of God. The wisdom of God. He is the tree of life. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren. Not many wise men after the flesh. See, the wise men of this world, the the philosophers and the doctors at, at Ivy League schools, there's not many of them saved. There's not many saved in the halls of Congress as well, or or even in high elected off the wisdom of this world. You see your calling, brethren. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, the base things of the world, things which are despised has God chosen, yea, things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence, but that we glory in Him. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, what? Wisdom, there it is again. That's why I'm reading this whole passage. It's like wisdom just keeps coming up. 
That's what we're talking about, wisdom. And righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Jesus is our all in all. And so Him that glorieth, let Him glory in the Lord. Glory in the Lord. The fourth thing, if you go back to Proverbs chapter 3, we're talking about finding happiness. I know we want that. I want it. We have to embrace God's loving chastisement. Embrace the best treasure, which is wisdom. Embrace the sweetest fruit, the tree of life. And then, as we embrace God's wisdom, you know what you embrace? A well-ordered life. What do I mean by that? Well, look at the passage in Proverbs chapter 3. And he says in verse 19 and 20, he brings in creation. And at first I was like, what does God's creating have to do with wisdom? Well, it says here, the Lord by wisdom has founded the earth. By understanding has He established the heavens. And by His knowledge, the depths were broken up, the clouds dropped down dew. And so God worked in those first six days of creation, a beautiful earth that, that could be inhabited by fish and, fowl, and, and birds and fowl and creeping things and cattle and you and me. God worked it all together. And the point is this, is that God in wisdom, here's the point, has established a world that is well-ordered, that that works a certain way. And it works that way. Like this morning I woke up and it says the sunrise is going to be at like 6.22 a.m. Because the world works in a certain way. The sun rises. We know when the sun is going to rise. We know when the sun is going to set. And you can count on it. Because God has built an ordered world. God created everything out of nothing. And then He made everything He made that was first a, a chaos. He put order to it. And so we live, although it's a broken world because of sin, it still has order to it, right? So when you live a wise life, you'll live an ordered life. And you want order in your life. You know, in other words, when you buy something, when you make something, you want it to work right. What's, what's one of the best reasons to buy a new car? I think there are good reasons to buy a new car. One of the best reasons is it works good. I don't spend my time taking it to the repair shop all the time. It doesn't have big breakdowns. I know when I'm on the road, it's not going to break down in the middle of I-95 or something like that. You know, I, It's just nice to have a car that runs right. It works right. And that's the idea of God's wisdom. God has made a world that runs right. It works right. And when you live a wise life, mark it down, your life is in order. Because sin puts everything out of order. So when you put God in your life and you want to live a wise life, you put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's why I say to you pretty regularly, read your Bible. First thing, read your Bible. Get on your knees. Pray. Seek God first. Put God first in your life. And then, before your work, what's more important? Family or work? Family's next. That's God's order. Put your family before your job, before your work. What's more important? I, I'm, uh, well, church is right up there too, with those four, but we keep things in order. I don't believe we should work so much. We'll talk about that tonight. If you work seven days, oh, I don't have time to go to church because I have to work seven days. You need to take a day off. That's wisdom. 
Wisdom is to put order in your life, take a day off, and rest in the Lord, and worship Him in a public way, like this. This is putting order in your life by coming to church. And I realized by coming to church this time, it's a big sacrifice of time to make. I realize that. And you've got to reorder other things in your life. But that's okay. That's good for us. Live an ordered life. When you, when you get a new house, and let's say it's a brand new house, and you go into the, the freezer, and the freezer's on, you, you look for some ice cubes, and there's, there's water in the ice cubes, no ice. You say, man, the freezer's broken. And then you go to, this, to the sink, and you turn the water on, and the water doesn't turn on. And then you go upstairs to flush the toilet, and it backs up. And then you go to your stove and turn on the stove and it just clicks. Click, 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 you know. And it doesn't turn on. Nothing works! You're going to be kind of like, lose patience after a while. When things don't work the way they're supposed to work. See, God has made a world. And it works a certain way. And God has made us. And we're supposed to work for Him a certain way and put things in order so that we work for Him. But here's the wonder. This is the incredible thing as well. So he says, the Lord by wisdom has founded the earth. So what, what's the point? What did God use to put, make an ordered world? Wisdom. What do you need to live an ordered life? Wisdom. And the same wisdom that God used to make a world that works and that's ordered, He gives to us. That kind of will blow you away if you think about it. I hope it does. The same wisdom God used to make the world and put it in order, He'll give to you to put your life in order. And if God could make a, a, a whole world that was, in a sense, in a chaos and put it in order, God can give you the wisdom to put your life in order. So, for example, I'll just give one example, then we'll move to the next point. So this world works this way, and, and when you're young, you don't know it. When you're really little, what did your parents tell you when the stove was on? Stay away from that. Because children don't... They see that fire, and they might be curious. There's a curiosity in children. So you have to teach the child, no, this is how it works. <laughs> if you put your finger in that fire, you're going to get burned. So what if you're 25 years old and you see a fire and you say, oh, look, cool, what is that? And you put your finger in the fire. You know what I could say to you? You're acting like a fool. You know how things work, but you're not living according to the way things do work, right? So now look at Proverbs chapter 6. And this is in the context of adultery. And this is how it works. This is how it works with adultery or sex when you're not married, for that matter, or homosexuality or bestiality or any kind of sexual immorality outside of the marriage bond. What does he say? Verse 27, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Obviously, duh, no. You're going to get burned if you put fire in your chest. Can you walk upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? No. 
But then he says, so he that goeth into his neighbor's wife. When you commit adultery, you're not living according to the way things God has made it to work. That's what he's saying. You're, you're, acting, you're living like a fool. So we've got to live an ordered life through wisdom. And then the next thing, I'm just going to be quick on this point, is to live a happy life. We embrace a well-ordered life. We embrace the tree of life. We embrace the best treasures in this life. We embrace His loving chastisement. Now here we embrace safety. You know, and again, people really, people need to have a sense of safety today because we've lived in all of this fear. And to me, it's just quite amazing how the media especially is so powerful. They've been pushing in our face for two years now, the pandemic and the vaccines and, you, and the children, get your children vaccinated. I mean, they've been pushing and pushing. And all of a sudden, it's like, gone. And now it's Ukraine and Russia and Putin. You see how they're manipulating us? Amen. Do you see how they're manipulating our fear? Amen. And I'm, I'm not making a political statement here. I'm saying that our world is not living in the fear of God. And they're trying to get us to fear everything else. And after Putin, you know what? It's going to be something else. And they'll just move on from him and do something else. I say, do what it says right here. Let me just read the text. Proverbs chapter 3. It says in verse number 23. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 23. Then thou shalt walk in thy way safely. <laughs> Man, we need that, don't we? Walk safely. Thy foot shall not stumble. When you lie down, you don't have to be afraid. You could sleep. And you can be at rest and peace. Have peaceful sleep. You need a good night of sleep? Rest in the Lord. I was, I was having a little trouble going to sleep last night. Sometime I do on Saturday night. I think I'm hyped up for Sunday or something. And Debbie said, um, say the books of the Bible to yourself. You know? <laughs> or I often just, I'll quote a scripture, quote a passage of scripture. And that's why we're doing 1 John. Do what, do what we're doing. And then say, start at chapter 1 and start just quoting that which was from the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes, which, are hand, uh, which we have handled and our, our eyes have, have seen of the word of life. I'm not quoting it very well right now, but quote it. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Memorize the word of God and quote it and it will give you sleep, sweet sleep. He says, when you lie down, your sleep shall be sweet. Man, a lot of people are taking medications and spending a lot of money on drugs just to get a little bit of sweet sleep. And there it says it right there. You can trust in the Lord and trust His wisdom and His safety. And then he says, be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence, and He shall keep Thy feet from being taken. Oh, yes, Lord, thank You. Be our confidence from the sudden fear of this world. This manipulating fear of this life. And when we're in the hand of Jesus, when we're in His hand, we can rest and be at peace. Because nothing and no one can pluck us out of His hand. Happy is the man that feareth always. Proverbs twenty-eight fourteen. God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Isaiah 12, verse 2. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? No one. 
I'm not going to be afraid. Through Jesus Christ, we're courageous. Amen? That's the Christian life, beloved, when we embrace wisdom. That's the happy life. Don't live in fear of this world. The last thing is embrace the best treatment of others. Treat others right. This is wisdom's contentment. It's better than the shame of this world. Okay, now, let me just back up. I want to show just for a second how Proverbs chapter 3 is structured because it's really beautiful. And I got a real blessing out of it. How it's structured. It's structured, the first ten verses are five admonitions. And there's a promise attached to each admonition. But there's five challenges for things we're supposed to do. The famous one, trust in the Lord. The other one, like, honor the Lord with your substance. And fear the Lord and depart. You know, there's admonitions, challenges. That's where it begins. Then it ends with five prohibitions. Things he says, don't do that. Now, some of you are a music teacher. Don't you have to sometimes teach your students, don't do that. Don't do it this way. Do it this way. You ever say that to one of your students? Don't do it this way. Do it this way. So that's what God is saying to us. Don't do this. Do it this way. So he he finishes with these prohibitions. And we're going to walk through them in a moment. But you see him in verse 27, down through verse 31. It's with not. He says, withhold not good. uh, Say not to your neighbor. Despise, devise not, strive not, envy not. So there's prohibitions. Now watch this. The admonitions are teaching me to love God so I won't be an idolater. The prohibitions are teaching me not to live in an unjust way, not to live in injustice. I take care of my neighbor. I love my neighbor. I don't treat them unfairly. I'm not an unjust person. And what's the point? Wherever there's idolatry and not loving God, there's going to be injustice and a lack of love to the neighbor. That's how, this pro- that's how Proverbs 3 is ordered. With loving God, stay free from idolatry. Do what He says. Don't do these things in order to love your neighbor so you won't live a life of injustice. And we say, but how? How can I do it? And in the middle of this chapter, wisdom. And in the middle of that discussion, there's a poem about wisdom. In the middle of this chapter, we need this wisdom. We need Jesus Christ. And and at the very heart of that poem of wisdom is the tree of life. That's how this chapter is structured. Very beautiful. Now, just in a minute, we're going to just take... Oh, I just said all that. I should have put that up on the screen. I I, I got a blessing of these. You know, the structure of these chapters highlights to me the divine inspiration of them. Because it's so beautiful how God has structured these chapters. So, I say at the center of this chapter is this poem of wisdom. At the heart of this poem is embrace the tree of life. This is the wisdom of God. To obey the admonitions and to keep from doing these prohibitions. So now, look at these prohibitions. So what I did, and I'm, you know why I'm doing this? I hope I'm getting you interested in the Bible. I'm just going to fly through this, but I want to leave you with this thought as we finish Proverbs chapter 3. I wonder if there's not a connection between the five admonitions and the five prohibitions. 
And so I'm lining them up to each other. So the first prohibition is basically, are you prone to being a selfish person? Withhold not good from him to whom it is due. You hold him back. You're selfish. If that's what you're prone to be. When it is in the power of your hand to do it. Do good to others when you have the opportunity. And that's connected to me with have a heart obedience to God. That was the first admonition. The second prohibition is, is this. Are you prone to neglecting your duty? Are you prone to not fulfill your obligation? Because you know what? It's not convenient. Uh, or in other words, are you prone to laziness and not from... Fulfilling your obligation to your neighbor. That's verse number 28. He says, say not to your neighbor, go again, come again tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I'll give it, you know, like procrastinator here. I'll give it. And, and when, 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 you, when you have it right there, you could have done it right then, but it was inconvenient. So in other words, you're prone to neglecting your duty. What goes along with that is receive the grace of verse 3 and 4 of mercy and truth. The, the third prohibition is, are you prone to plotting against others? He says in verse 29, devise not evil against your neighbor, seeing he dwells securely. I mean, he's living a nice life. Just leave him alone, right? Are you plotting against him? Like, oh, I hate that person. Don't live that way. You're going to be very unhappy. Don't hate other people. Love other people. Don't plot against them. Refuse plotting their destruction. And the the correlation is that is trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Let God handle it. The fourth prohibition is, are you prone to fighting and quarreling? He says, strive not with a man if there's no cause. Now, sometimes you have to strive. strive. In other words, you have to, sometimes you have to go to court. He says, as much as possible, live peaceably. Sometimes other people don't make it possible. But he says here, don't strive with a man without a cause. If he have done thee, no harm. So, if you're prone to fighting, the one that goes next to that is, is fear God. And you'll be healthy. You know what? Because if you fight and quarrel all the time, you're going to end up sick. And you won't be happy. And the fifth prohibition is, are you prone to envy and jealousy? Envy thou not the oppressor. Choose none of his ways. Are you prone to envy? He says, don't live in a jealous rage. And the correlation to that, you know what the cure to jealousy and envy is? Give to the Lord. That was the fifth, probi- uh, fifth admonition. So I, I found it was interesting to compare them. And so I wanted to finish off with that. So as we close, how do we do it? How do we keep these prohibitions? How do I keep from envy? How do I keep from fighting? How do I, I, I'm like plotting against my boss all the time. I want to get rid of my boss. I'm plotting against my neighbor because he, he's really giving me a hard time. Are you prone to sell? How do we do it? How do we live in obedience to trust the Lord and these other admonitions through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of His cross? Because the cross of Jesus Christ is the ultimate tree of life. And we all have a choice, just like Adam and Eve had. So I say to you, choose Jesus Christ. Choose wisdom. And don't be a fool. Let's stand together as we pray. Thank You, Lord. Father, thank You for Your love and thank You for Your wisdom that You give to us. Help us to embrace Your wisdom. And even your loving chastisement 
even as we take the Lord's Supper right now, Lord, in just a moment, speak to our hearts, convict us where we need conviction. Help us to see that in the cross of Jesus Christ, there's your wisdom in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And knowing you, Lord Jesus, is the best treasure, the sweetest fruit. It's how to live the well-ordered life, to have the, the best safety in this world. And it's, it's through your love on the cross that we learn how to treat others. Thank you, Lord, for the fruit of the tree of life, the cross upon which Jesus died the fruit that is in your tree, the fruit of love, the, th- the fruit of forgiveness, the fruit of joy, the fruit of your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord. The fruit of your holiness. Thank you, God. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And is there anyone here who would say, Pastor Matt, I've not been living a wise life. My life is out of order. I've not been submitting and sensitive to God's chastisements in my life. I've not been going to the Lord as my wisdom in His Word on a regular basis. God's spoken to my heart about some of these things. Can I see your hand? If God has spoken to your heart, convicting you, working in you, to give you a heart for Him, to order your life, is your life in order or is it all out of order, dear friends? Are you afraid? Are you living in fear? Don't live in fear. Let the Lord be your confidence today. Do not be afraid of sudden fear. Is God's word to us. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone here who would say, Pastor Matt, I'm not saved. I'm not born again. Pray for me. I need salvation today in Jesus Christ. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone like that? That I can pray for you? Okay, so God, we praise you and thank you now. Lord, we thank You that You care for us. So bless us, Father, even as we sing this song, as we go into the Lord's Supper, Father. Thank You for Your love and Your care for us. In Jesus' name, Amen.